Good morning. Welcome to the Auburn Unitarian Universalist Fellowship. My name is Masha Kloberg, and I will be serving as service associate today. Some of us are bringing our best selves to this space, and some of us are bringing our struggling selves, including pieces we might be ashamed of. All of us are welcome here, and all of us are loved. Some of us already have open hearts, and some of us aren't quite there yet. Because our hearts have gotten a little beat up this week and might have forgotten how to trust and open, your heart is welcome here, no matter how bruised. We welcome you among us. All of us are imperfect, but we're here to drop our defenses and trust that what happens in worship is powerful and life-giving. Together, we affirm that this day, that our being together can make each of us braver, more compassionate, and wiser than we woke up this morning. We welcome you here. I call your attention to the announcements that are printed on the back of the order of service. Please read these for important information about fellowship life. Spoken announcements will be heard at the end of the hour. On behalf of the members of the fellowship, I extend a special welcome to all visitors and to those of you who still feel like visitors. Please be our guest for coffee and conversation following the service. As our service begins today, please make sure your cell phones and other electronic devices are set to silent or turned off. Let us move into the service, willing to be authentic with each other, honest within ourselves, and opening to connection in all its forms. Come down off the ladder, wash out that paintbrush, shake the sand off your shoes, and get up off your muddy knees and give up the garden. Give the garden a morning off. Fold up the newspaper, turn off the coffee pot, close up your calendar already filled with dates and times and people and places that claim you. This fellowship is ready for you to fill its rooms, to create its spirit, to generate its warmth, to kindle its light. This fellowship is ready for you to make community, to create beauty, to bend it towards justice, to serve its ideals. This fellowship is ready for you to be here, honoring our past, invigorating our present, and dreaming our future. This is your fellowship. Here we are home. Here we are whole. Let us begin. Come, let us worship together. These are some words, words by Melanie Davis. Under the right circumstances, Playing with fire is a delight. Imagine being gathered round a fire pit as the crackling flames invite us to sing, dance, and roast a marshmallow or two. Our chalice also invites us to play, although with ideas rather than with marshmallows. The flame encourages us to explore who we are, who our neighbors are, and where we are on our spiritual journeys. 
Today we light this chalice in the spirit of play. Let us trust the light to guide us in this hour and in the days to come, finding joy along the way. As is our tradition, we also light a candle in solidarity with those families separated at our southern border. When I went to elementary school in the mid-1980s, my school was part of a grand experiment that some of you in education might have actually heard of called Open Concept Schools. The idea is that the school is as open as possible with as few walls separating classrooms. So in one giant area, you would find an entire grade of students with four to five teachers taking space within various corners of the grade area. In addition, rather than staying with one teacher all day, students rotated between teachers for different subjects, often having three to four teachers a day. Though it was all the rage in the 70s and 80s, it's not as popular as it used to be. And in fact, most schools in my old school district that once embraced it have now rolled back the idea and built walls between their classrooms. Now, open concept schools definitely had their advantages, including allowing teachers to focus on their strengths and focus more on subjects that they had an interest or expertise in. And that definitely prepared me for middle and high school better than if I'd been in a traditional classroom all day. However, there is one oddity about the idea that I've never been able to completely get over. You see, the original idea behind open concept called for no recess for students. In fact, many open concept schools, including my own, were built without playgrounds. The idea was that students already moved enough throughout the day going between classes, so much so that they wouldn't need to get out and play, would they? They get all the exercise they need already. Thus, students as young as six were expected to stay indoors and work all day with only a break for lunch. If you're one of my parents in the audience, you probably guessed that this went over about as well as you'd expect. And you know, kids need unstructured time, and they will have it, even if they have to create it within the classroom. Needless to say, by the time I got to my school, my teachers had already formed sort of a revolt and were finding ways to get students outside for play, converting a seldom used parking lot behind the gym into kind of a playground 
with hopscotch squares and some jump ropes and balls to play with. It wasn't the best in the world, but it at least got us outside. But it was the most exciting thing in the world when in fourth grade, almost 25 years after the school was built, the principal finally announced that we were getting an actual playground. Swings and slides and monkey bars and a merry-go-round. For those of us who had only ever known my school, it was sort of a revelry, a real intentional place to get out and play and get out our energy. It was just a playground and a very simple one at that and apparently not durable because it's already been torn down and replaced at my old school. But for us, it opened up a whole new world of possibilities for our afternoon play. It's a funny thing to think about now. The fact that the adults who came up with the idea for our school pedagogy and a second group who built it just missed the need for recess completely. Kids didn't get their needs met through moving from class to class because exercise isn't the only thing you get out of play. Yes, exercise was certainly important, but more than that, there was a social element we needed. We needed a chance to play, to just engage in outdoor activity for no other reason than we enjoyed it. And that, essentially, is play. According to Dr. Stuart Brown, executive director of the National Institute for Play, which must be the coolest job in the world, (laughs) play is something done for its own sake. It's voluntary, it's pleasurable, it offers a sense of engagement. It takes you out of time, and the act itself is more important than the outcome. It helps explain why moving from class to class was definitely not play for my classmates and me. Though we may have been getting exercise, it was not free, it was not voluntary, and it was certainly not for its own sake. Indeed, experts now believe, as I told the kids this morning, time on the playground may be more important than time in the classroom. Play helps develop the brain. Dr. Sergio Pellis, a researcher at the University of Lethbridge in Alberta, Canada, says that though play, through play, children are able to learn how to negotiate social situations. Whether it's rough and tumble play or two kids deciding to build a sandcastle together, the kids themselves have to negotiate. Well, what are we going to do in this game? What are the rules we're going to have to follow? Pellis says that as a result, the brain actually builds new circuits in the prefrontal cortex to help it navigate these complex social situations. And amazingly, there's evidence that play actually changes children's genes. In animal populations, we know that free play once thought to be utilitarian in the development of hunting skill and dominant behavior, actually activates the whole 
neofrontal cortex. And in one study, researchers found that out of 1,200 genes measured, a third of them were significantly changed by a half hour of play. So rather than being for some purpose, it would seem that animals play to learn social skills that will benefit in the future. Indeed, animals that were deprived of play still knew how to hunt, so play served a different purpose for them. In human children, we know that play can actually predict academic performance. In one study, researchers found that children's grades in eighth grade could be predicted by measuring their social skills in third grade. So by allowing children time to play, free time to just be who they are, they develop the skills that last long after childhood. And in a blow to the open concept idea of eliminating recess, studies have found that countries that have more recess tend to do better academically than countries with less. So it would seem that play isn't just some novelty for kids, something to give them whenever it's convenient, but a necessity for their healthy development. To quote American educator and television personality Fred Rogers, play gives children a chance to practice what they are learning. Play allows children to put into practice what they learn in the classroom without the limits that come from formal education. So I doubt many of you are going to contest anything I just said, right? After all, I suspect most today would be in favor of allowing kids to have unstructured playtime. After all, we pay people to watch our kids out on the playground during the service. So case closed, right? Sermon over, time for coffee hour. Hang on just a minute. We need to talk about whether you play or not, and if not, why you've stopped playing. It seems like at a certain time in our lives, we just stop playing, or at least stop recognizing the importance of continuing it. Get serious, we're told. Life is about more than having fun. We have to buckle down, study, Get a job, find a partner, start a family. Along the way, there's twists, turns, and obstacles. For many adults, intentional play just isn't that important. If we do manage it, it's only because we have a kid around or because it's happenstance. We don't intend to play, it seems, even when we do play. But what if play was meant to be a lifelong experience. What if we all need to find ways to get out and have recess time, just like when we were kids? Irish playwright George Bernard Shaw once said, we don't stop playing because we get old. We grow old because we stop playing. There's some profound wisdom in this. When we neglect play, it has a real effect on us. 
See, studies show that couples who play together can smooth out the wrinkles in their relationship easier as they come up. It seems that couples are still negotiating the rules of their games long after recess. Play also relieves stress, keeps our minds sharp as we age, and keeps us refreshed and ready for whatever comes our way. In addition, play creates community as people come together for shared interests. More than this, though, play keeps our minds sharp. Dr. Brown says that there is a definite truth to the idea that people who don't play aren't any fun to be around. He goes as far as to say they're just dull individuals. Perseverance and joy in work are actually diminished. So in other words, he's saying all work and no play makes everyone a whole lot duller. One thing I love to do every summer is to go to comic cons. And yes, I'm really looking forward to my first Dragon Con in Atlanta in 2020. If you're not familiar, it's one of the largest comic cons in the world, and it's only two hours from here. Geeks and nerds of all kinds have always been somewhat on the margins of society, being portrayed as socially inept, sometimes insufferable. Losers with weird pastimes. Think about a geek, and you might think Steve Urkel from Family Matters or pretty much any character Anthony Michael Hall played in the 80s. But walking the halls of Comic-Con, seeing grown people taking joy, relishing in a panel with a Star Trek star, or listening to the creator of Mystery Science Theater 3000 talk of his early difficulties just getting his show on the air, they dress as their favorite pop culture characters, sometimes spending thousands of dollars to make a realistic costume just for the fun of it. They buy the latest merchandise from their favorite shows and they just go around and meet others. Just being there gives one a sense of awe at how much fun people are having just by being together and sharing their love of pop culture. I've never taken it as far as some people do. Calvin keeps asking me if I'm going to dress up for Dragon Con. I'm not that creative in costumes. But I nevertheless have fun every time I've been to a con. I'm not alone. The people who dress up become sort of stars while they're there, being asked to pose for photographs as if they were the character themselves. And there's a real sense of community and solidarity built over the course of the week. Yes, despite the social stigmas our culture has created around comic cons, it is hard to deny that a sort of community has sprung up, offering both the advantages and disadvantages that come 
when two or more are gathered together. Rather than being the lone geeks of stereotypes, they actually connect at Comic Cons better than most of us do on a daily basis. Comic Con geeks get what they need because they're willing to get out and play, to do something unstructured for no reason other than the joy of it. So pop culture and comic cons are an obvious example of adults at play, but they aren't the only ones. So just in case you're not lining up to go with me to Dragon Con in September, there are other ways. The important thing is to find things we like to do for their own sake, not because we have to do them for work or school or home life or anything else, but because they bring us joy. We need to get out there and create our own recess. I have other ways of playing. I like to get out and hike, sometimes with Calvin and my dog and other times alone. I do enjoy a baseball or a hockey game or a concert. Travel is important as well, and I think discovering things as a new is a form of play for me. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my love of reading and learning. Definitely play for me. There are lots of different forms of play. I did a sermon once where I mentioned Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese Buddhist teacher, considered washing dishes a form of recreation. And trust me, I was surprised as anyone else how many people came up to me and afterwards and said, now I know why I enjoy washing dishes so much. Do you play? I bet some of you do without even realizing it. I know some of you hike as well, and there are definitely readers and writers And some of you might play board games. Others may quilt, sew, knit, crochet, paint, or draw, and work with ceramics. All skills I'm sorely lacking, but I admire all of you who do. I know play for some of you is athletics. Running, cycling, swimming, playing on team sports, golfing, and more. Whatever your form of play, it's important to realize These aren't optional enjoyments to be taken up when we have the time. And if you shed them during times of stress, it will make a difference. They are crucial ways to take care of our social, emotional, and mental needs. The key is to make sure play is scheduled into your calendars every week. Whether you use Google Calendar or the old-fashioned bound ones, look at your calendar. Is play on there, or is it just meeting after meeting after meeting? Schedule small doses daily and larger doses weekly. I would say play is just as important to your well-being as getting enough sleep, eating properly, and regular checkups. You may be able to technically live without play, 
but the jury is out on whether you'll be able to thrive. So whatever it is you do for play, prioritize it. Give yourself enough time to simply be. Don't be like my elementary school and think you're getting your needs met just because you're moving around a little bit. Play has to be intentional. So here's my challenge for you for the week. Play. Find your niche and follow it. If your play activity seems like a chore, if it doesn't bring you joy, if you can find a million things you'd rather do than it, it's time to find a new one. And never, never underestimate the power that simple acts of playfulness can have to bring people closer together. It seems to me that if enough of us start giving play the attention it deserves, we just might start a revolution, playing our way into beloved community. May it be so. May we hear the melody of life and find ourselves singing harmony. May we be open to the dissonances in the song of the land and its people, that we might be part of the world's urging towards justice, peace, and love. May we feel in our bones the rhythm of life and the land and find ourselves dancing. Blessed be and go in peace.